0: Baltimoreons is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com.
1: You're listening to Baltimoreons, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreons.
2: Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? A little desperate this week, maybe.
1: <laughs> Got your toes tapping, do ya? Desperation is a stinky cologne. <laughs> we can smell you from here because we're wearing it, also. It's uh, it's looking a little grim here, Sam. It is looking very grim. But what better antidote? Mm. Then a smashing new episode of our program. That was pretty self-aggrandizing.
2: <laughs> well, also uh, excellent is uh, we are we are of course a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. That we are very excited to see that our friends over at Orioles Spastics cranked out another episode. They uh, had
1: been a little dormant there for a little while. They had been on the old hiatus train, which is uh, not a good train to be on if you're trying to get to your destination on time. <laughs>
2: But it's beautiful scenery.
1: (laughs) It really is. Stop and smell the roses every once in a while. You know, that's basically the theme of this show, I would say.
2: The theme of this show also is uh,
1: being a
2: home of the all-weather fan. And this week especially, I think we're all going to need to embrace that as teams like the royals and the indians give us a serious run for our playoff money (laughs) indeed it's going to be unpleasant
1: i think at one point this year we tried to get both the royals and an indians fan to come on both of them canceled and now i'm happy they did (laughs) because i don't want to talk to them (laughs) but here we are On episode
2: 67. Uh, And episode 67, of course, 67 is a very complicated and complex number. Indeed. um, As I'm sure you know. Because it specifically has unearthed a series of very difficult emotions for me, personally. Mm. Um, Here's the deal. The Major League Baseball top prospect number 67, ranked number 67, is, as of today, Tyler Austin. A 22-year-old power hitter in the Yankee system currently playing for the AA Trenton Thunder. Okay. Now, the Trenton Thunder, of course, have had one of the most well-loved mascots in the game of baseball, Chase, that Golden Thunder, a golden retriever who served as bat dog during the first inning of most Thunder home games, retrieving bats and balls and returning them to the Thunder dugout. Uh, Contrary to popular belief, his teeth did not leave marks on the equipment as retrievers are trained to carry birds without puncturing them. However, he did have a gold tooth due to a tooth that was knocked out during bat-carrying duties.
1: You know, I hear stuff like this, and it just makes me realize that minor league baseball is so much better (laughs) than major league baseball. (laughs) Chase, of course, was honored at Yankees Stadium by special invitation
2: of New York Yankees general manager Brian Cashman in June of this year. Uh, Surprisingly enough... With all the other famous canines in the world of New York City and in baseball in general, he was the first dog to ever be honored by the Yankees organization in such a way. Perhaps from direct exposure to Cashman or the Yankees organization, Chase passed away a few months later.
1: Correlation is causality.
2: (laughs) Uh, On July 8th, 2013, um, Chase, the Golden Thunder, succumbed to arthritis and lymphoma. Um, and he was already unable to go after the frisbee between innings like he used to, so he was, um, he was put down. So why does this lead to such confusion for me emotionally? Simply put, it appears that this is something within the Yankees organization that doesn't fill me with anger and disgust. <laughs> <laughs> it's a disorienting feeling. <laughs> but what are we, as dyed-in-the-wool Yankees haters, to make of this real-life air bud? I don't know. Well, to make me feel a little better. <laughs> I dug into things a bit more. Oh, thank goodness. I'd assumed that Chase, much like the 1997 classic about a basketball playing retriever, would be owned by an alcoholic clown named Norman Snively.
1: (laughs) A safe assumption. It
2: seems logical, right? Now, here's where things get really creepy. Alcoholic (laughs) clown? (laughs) The role of Snively. Okay, that's actually in Air Bud. No, I remember. I remember. I just
1: (laughs) forgot how brilliant that
2: movie was. (laughs) The role of Snively in the original film is played by... Do you know who? No. Michael Jeter. You you stop it.
1: Jeter. That can't be true.
2: It's impossible to even say the name without the level of contempt that Seinfeld conjures for Newman. <laughs> Could there be a name more synonymous with evil Yankeedom? Even as his season appears to be over after a scant 17 games, 63 at-bats, and a 190 average, he is still one of the people that I... Much like an evil drunken clown, fear and hate the worst. <laughs> so, as a, as a takeaway from all this, in the next few years, as we are forced to stomach a Derek Jeter goodbye tour that, I'm sure, will rival that of Mariano's tour de force. We need only to turn to a mental image of him years later, wearing full-on clown makeup and crying into a beer <laughs> as a justification for surviving what's sure to be a hellacious goodbye year. <laughs> Meanwhile, in other clown news, um, a creepy and anonymous clown has, and this is true, has been terrifying residents of Northampton, England this week by standing around on street corners and staring at passers-by. The clown, who bears a striking resemblance to Pennywise from the 1990 film It, adapted from the Stephen King novel of the same name, which is a goddamn terrifying film. Oh, yes, it is. First appeared on Friday the 13th and was spotted again over the weekend. Hmm. Chilling and amazing, especially because Friday the 13th actually fell on a Friday this month. (laughs) (laughs) And still other clown news, just to conclude our usual introduction. On this day in history, in 1997, Richard Bernard Red Skelton passed away after nearly 90 years of clowning. Um, He began a career in show business as a teen circus clown. And then while he did go on to vaudeville Broadway, starring in films, radio, TV shows, nightclubs, and casinos, he continued behind the scenes writing and drawing different clown and circus art. Really? Also, happy birthday today to Dan Heron who made a clown act of my fantasy baseball team for the last two seasons. <laughs> Dan is 33 years old.
1: We, uh, You don't know this yet, Alan, but we are going to be talking a little bit more about Dan Heron later in the show. But before we do that, I have some questions about your introduction. Okay, go. My, my first question is, you said this clown has <clears throat> been terrorizing residents of Northampton, England. Correct. Do you think there is any correlation between that fact and the fact that we have not heard from our one British listener, Ali Beswick, In some time. Oh, God. Allie, I don't know enough about England to know if Northampton
2: (laughs) is Is anywhere anywhere close to where you live.
1: But if you are dressing up in clown makeup and terrorizing the residents of that quiet village, well played, sir.
2: And I would suggest getting a golden retriever. I heard it really takes the edge off. (laughs) Uh,
1: I also wanted to know if you think that uh, players on the Trenton Thunder who uh, wear a particular jock during a game where the team turns around a slump, refer to that jock as their lucky thunderpants. (laughs) We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Wait, wait,
2: wait. (laughs) Since you mentioned the Trenton Thunder and jocks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On the way back up from his uh, long disabled list stint this year, Mm -hmm. Derek Jeter did, of course, stop by the Trenton Thunder. Yes. Whilst there... He wore one of the worst unis I've ever seen, of all time. (laughs) So when you're thinking about Derek Jeter in clown makeup crying over a beer, also picture him in the uni that we will post to BeMorons.com directly after this show.
1: (laughs) I now know how to counteract the sadness that I am almost sure to feel the rest of the way this season. Uh, well, you mentioned earlier in the show that we are playing the Red Sox Gah. Uh, at, this, at this present time, and, and this is not the last time that we play the Red Sox this year. Uh, we play three against them this week, and then we play three more against them over the last... To end the season. Weekend of the season. Uh, have you ever read, Alan, the, the book The Bonfire of the Vanities by Tom <laughs> Wolfe?
2: it turns out, yes, I have. You yes, will. I have.
1: Then I am sure you remember... <laughs> Since that book is about seven hundred pages long'
2: it 's three hundred pages too long
1: <laughs> i 'm sure you remember this one sentence in which the character Sherman McCoy goes to a newsstand, looks at some of the skin magazines, and says to himself, "My, what a happy grinning riot of pornography <laughs> Now, would you agree What a great pull quote." <laughs> Would you agree, Alan Smith, that a happy, grinning riot of pornography would also be a good way of describing the statistics of the Boston Red Sox starting lineup?
2: It is, it is gross in a way that I feel like is appropriate for that metaphor, yes.
1: I would like to share some numbers with you, which I know is always dangerous, but I think, uh, I think it's, it's necessary to do so that we can come to grips with the absolute juggernaut that we're facing. <laughs> Here with the season on the line. Would you like to know, Alan Smith, how many regulars in the Boston Red Sox pornographic starting lineup <laughs> have more than forty walks this season? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to know that. Unfortunately, you have no choice in the matter. <laughs> I am going to share the figure with you. Oh boy. Eight. Oh boy. Would you like to know how many we have? Two. You are you'll be happy to know that it's four. Oh, good. Which is still only half as many. <laughs> As the Red Sox. We don't like walks on the Orioles. We don't. No. Would you like to know how many regulars... It's the pussy's way out. <laughs> <laughs> I got this bat, I'm gonna swing it. <laughs> Which is the inner monologue of each one of our each one of our players. Uh-huh. Would you like to know how many regulars in the Boston Red Sox pornographic starting lineup have an on-base percentage north of 340?
2: I, I really wouldn't. I really Seven.
1: wouldn't. Oh, my God. Seven, and that is not counting Daniel Nava, (laughs) who for some reason appears below the fold on BaseballReference.com. Why are we not counting Daniel Nava? Because it makes me feel better. (laughs) So eight? It's eight. (laughs) Would you like to know how many we have? Two? It's two, but only if you count Danny Valencia, (laughs) which you shouldn't. (laughs) Oh, God. Now, Now, as a result of this, how many runs do you think the pornographic offense of the Boston Red Sox has scored this year? I have no idea. 791. Wow. How many runs do you think our supposedly great offense has scored? This is entering play tonight. 650? 696. Okay. So that's almost 100 fewer right. than the Red Sox. Okay. Now, I the reason I, I, I pulled out these stats is because I think they're a useful way of looking at why the Orioles look like a great team on paper, but can't quite become one. Hmm. And it's because, unlike the Red Sox, uh, we are leaving outs on the table for the opposing team to harvest. Whereas they, by virtue of taking walks, by virtue of getting on base, are taking outs away. And and whenever they do hit home runs, they have people on board. Precisely. Hmm. Precisely so i was thinking about all this alan and it got me thinking about uh as we look ahead to the coming off season which may be coming more quickly than we (laughs) want it to how are we going to make this team better Uh uh-oh what are we going to do is it it, it's a little premature for this question i i i would like something to feel happy about (laughs) (laughs) okay and because i am legitimately encouraged by the fact that Frequent Baltimoreans guest Dan Duquette uh, was willing to pull the trigger on some some actual moves this year. Mm. <coughs> I would like to think that uh, as we get into the off season, he's going to be scouring the market and trying to make the smartest deal. Now, I would submit to you that the Michael Morse trade that we made here down the stretch was um, what do they say in 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 uh, in politics? It was it was right in right on policy, but wrong on politics right on politics but wrong on policy (laughs) michael morse was a good idea ah we need practice we that's thank you we needed a michael morse we just didn't need michael morse to be that michael morse whoa okay and while you're thinking about that (laughs) is that because he uh his on
2: base percentage is only three to five percent percentage points higher than his batting average (laughs) uh
1: that is one of the many reasons (laughs) maybe if he cut his hair he'd be able to swing the bat faster that's that makes me sound like i'm some kind of like weird yankees fan (laughs) proto-conservative yeah anyway uh but i do think that um the the thing that we need to invest in this offseason is a uh, most of the time designated hitter sometime fielder uh, who can provide solid offense over the course of the season. I think that's that's something that is really missing from our lineup. Victor Martinez. Victor Martinez is an excellent idea, but he is unfortunately not a free agent. No, no, no,
2: no. But that, that caliber
1: of players. Yes, you're a Victor Martinez. Okay. So I have created a list of the available free agent hitters okay. uh, who I think might interest a team such as yours and mine. Okay. Uh, and I would like to share that list with you now and see what you think about it. That list is Justin Morneau, Mm. Carlos Beltran, Mm. Kendris Morales, Raul Ibanez, and Brian McCann. Hmm. Interesting. Now, of those gentlemen, Alan Smith, who would you prefer?
2: I think we'd have to overpay for Brian McCann. Okay. I think that Raul Ibanez eats babies, (laughs) because that's the only explanation for why he's still alive, and I will not have that scourge descending upon the fair city of Baltimore. Um... So I think of the available <laughs> options outside of those, uh-huh. uh, I I think that— um, Do you
1: remember any of them, or has your hate cloud no, no. blinded you? <laughs>
2: I think that uh, Justin Morneau is a really good look. I think that if we'd been interested in Morales, we would have gotten him instead of Morse. Um, I think that the package we we gave to Seattle was probably going to get us either one, and we chose Morse for some inconceivable reason that i have yet to fully grasp Mm. um so i I think that Morneau would be my number
1: one choice on that list okay uh i'm going to disagree with you despite his propensity for concussions (laughs) i'm going to disagree with you um and i actually am going to pick kendris morales because i believe what happened and i could be wrong about this is i think we actually did try to get kendris morales we claimed him off of waivers oh and then they said never mind we're not trading him Huh. Uh, for reasons they, unknown they to me. back. Because it's an ideal sell-high opportunity for a really bad baseball team um, who is obviously going to have to pay a lot of money to keep him around next year. But maybe that's what they're going to try to do. Um, but the thing I think is appealing about Kendris Morales is uh, here are, is his first half slash line. Okay. He hit two eighty, got on base 33.7% of the time, Okay, slugged four sixty three, walked 25 times. Oh. In the second half, he hit 280, got on base at a 342 clip, slugged 440, and, in fewer games, has already walked 20 more times. Now so 45 walks on the season. 45 walks on the season, which, uh, as we have just <laughs> illustrated, is something we puts need very him, badly. <laughs> puts him in the category
2: of best on the Orioles.
1: But also look at the look, look, at, uh, look at his splits from the left side of the plate. He hits 283, OK. Three thirty-six on base percentage, four sixty-seven slugging percentage from the right side. Two seventy-four, three forty-four, four thirty-one. He also broke his ankle jumping. He d- he's a fat, fat man, <laughs> as we have said many times. Okay, okay. <laughs> I just want us to all be on
2: the same page here.
1: But all all we need him to do, yeah, is eat his uh, eat his Morales meals, <laughs> whatever he's whatever he's snacking on, right. Uh, and put up equal slash lines from either side of the plate. That's all we need him to do. I'll take it. I'll take it. He's 30 years old, Mm. so if we bring him in as a most-of-the-time DH, occasionally uh, spell Chris Davis at first base, maybe on Sundays. Gotcha. uh, On which days we can allow Chris Davis to DH. There you go. I think that is a very very high-value acquisition for us to make.
2: I know I wrote him off at the beginning, but Brian McCann comes with the advantage of also being able to be our backup catcher.
1: Brian McCann is my number two. I
2: think that he the more that I think about it, it might be it's interesting fact for you today. Okay. Did you know that coming into play tonight against the Red Sox, Manny Machado has fifty two more hits than Weeders' career <laughs> best season?
1: Oh my god. Really?
2: That's a true stat. <sighs>
1: ah. Remember yeah. do you remember do you yeah. remember those those fanciful days of our youths <laughs> youth? <laughs> When, uh, when Baseball prospectus predicted that Matt Wheaters was going to hit like Mike Piazza. Yeah. And they, for the only time in their history, were wrong. <laughs> that was a beautiful day. And what a thing to be wrong about. Well, let me tell you the other reason I like Brian McCann as a signing. Okay. Is because if you can't sign Matt Wheaters yeah. to a common sense contract extension, then you have Brian McCann to be your catcher.
2: I think, I think it puts a
1: little bit of pressure on Wheats. It does. It do- and it's pressure that he needs. Pressure that he needs. Because here's the thing. Uh, McCann can play first base, also. Yep, uh, he can, he can be, DH. He can DH. So if you, it, it's not like um, the Brian McCann contract becomes a bad contract. It's it's a smart contract to sign whether or not you hold on to Matt Weeters. If you then also extend Matt Weeters, you're locking in a really solid core of your lineup for the foreseeable future.
2: And a defensive mastermind.
1: Exactly. Exactly. He All had right. that uh, McCann had that LASIK surgery, so he's got he's got good eyesight. That's true. That's true. No, that's a real remember, thing. That I remember. I remember. <laughs> he was out for a while because of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true too. Um, all right. Let me talk to you about pitching. Okay. Okay. okay.
2: Because I think all of this is moot, <laughs> unless we get at least two good
1: pitchers. So here, here are your, here are your, uh, what I considered to be your intriguing available free agent starters. You got Ubaldo Jimenez. You got uh, Tim Lincecum. You got. Um, uh Dan Herron. And then you got Scott Feldman. <laughs> now, here are some 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 interesting numbers for you to consider. Oh boy. Dan Heron. That's
2: just a murderer's
1: row. <laughs> and not in the good way. Uh Dan Heron um has a four point oh six ERA in the second half. Much and he's better than turning the, thirty-three today. He, happy birthday, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Uh, Batting average on balls in play against Dan Heron also elevated at 315. That's above your league average. Okay. Um, Tim Lincecum also has an elevated batting average on balls in play at 305. Hmm.
2: So... But both of those are very large sample sizes.
1: Big old sample sizes. Which is to
2: say that they are both getting hit a lot. True. So balls are going into play a lot. Now lincecum used to be somebody who would strike out you know 10 12 guys in an outing
1: it's true he doesn't
2: do that anymore
1: he does not do that which anymore. which
2: means i don't know what his strength is
1: <laughs> i don't know what Linsicum brings that he's good at well so i guess my question is uh let's take den heron out of it for a second please i think <laughs> i think when you look at the crop of available free agent starting pitchers yes there are two 29 year olds who okay. have had, I think it's fair to say, a mixed bag of great success and big-time failure so far in their careers in Jimenez and Lincecum. Yeah. Let's say you're Dan Duquette, yeah. and you've decided you're going to take a flyer on one of them and give them a, I don't know, four-year, $60 million deal, um, assuming that that's the sort of deal that could be worked out. Which one would you go with?
2: Um, <clears throat> Ubaldo. Really? Because he's pitched in the American League. And he's actually okay. pitching fairly well right now for Cleveland. That's true. So I think that Lincecum, who's lost a little bit off of his fastball, who doesn't strike people out anymore, who labors often to get through you know, the fourth inning of games, would just get shellacked against the Red Sox. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you couldn't imagine a worse pitcher to bring into a game like tonight, <laughs> whereas...
1: Pardon us for a moment. I think our pizza's just arrived.
2: Whereas, uh, the recent turn of success uh, of Ubaldo as a Cleveland Indian makes me think that he may, in fact... Uh, be able to pitch in the American League East for at least periods of time. Now, mm. um, no Orioles pitcher that we have, uh, will ever sign will pitch well for an entire season. That's just sort of a fact.
1: It's, it's but true. But we
2: want to go into the salt mines and get someone who can give us at least three months, hopefully near the end of the season, <laughs> <laughs> of not being crappy. And uh, Scott of the Intern just passed me a note mm. suggesting that uh, Ubaldo has been throwing at a one three five or so ERA in the second half of this year. My goodness. Suggesting that he may be that man. Okay, okay.
1: Now, now. So, you, so you would rather take a gamble on Ubaldo than 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 uh, Ring Ting Jimmy Tim.
2: <laughs> Indeed, the freak can stay the fuck out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess the reason I, I would actually I would go with Lincecum, and I'll tell you why. Okay, uh, it's because I think um, if you look at what is, and uh, Mike Griffin and the Orioles uh, minor and major league pitching uh, coaching staff Mm -hmm. has been able to do with Chris Tillman okay, in the sense that they took somebody who had a little bit of a herky-jerky delivery uh, and a lot of tools that he couldn't really coalesce and converted those into a very solid package. I think they would be in a position to do that with Tim Lincecum Lincecum as well. And if Tim Lincecum could recapture... 80% 80% of mm. the guy he was uh, a couple years ago, he would be the best pitcher we've ever had. <laughs> Does it bother you that Lincecum's only pitching coach is his father? Uh, well, well uh, <laughs> I, I thought about that. I did think about that. And okay. I did think about the fact that when you bring Tim Lincecum to town, you're also bringing the Tim Lincecum show. And a cloud of marijuana smoke. And a big cloud of God marijuana bless. smoke. God Buck could probably use every once in a while. Let's, let's be <laughs> that's realistic. True, that's true. <laughs> on the other hand, maybe he does do that. We're not here to judge. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is coming up later in the show, but uh, we have now guaranteed that neither Danny Valencia or Buck Showalter will ever come on the program. Um, I, I, do, I do recognize that that's the case, that, okay. uh, that you bring Tim Lincecum's father and all the baggage of that whole situation with you. At the same time... Um, I feel like with Ubaldo, mm. um, what you do is you bring in a guy who has been so volatile. There have been such high peaks and such low valleys. It's true that uh, highs and lows. If you if you equalize those things, you end up with a a a neutral contributor. Whereas with Lincecum, the the highs have been astronomically high okay the lows while bad haven't really been catastrophic okay and i think have also sometimes reflected a, a poor defensive team behind him um, and a fairly weak offense and on net i think assuming you can get both pitchers for the same amount of money which may be foolish okay uh on net i think the investment in Linsicum ends up paying greater dividends over the long term
2: well, to be honest with you, I would take either, um, only because it would give some modicum of hope in an otherwise desperate and sad situation. <laughs>
1: I, I think it should be notable to listeners that neither of us want anything to do with Scott Feldman after this, <laughs> after the conclusion of this season, whenever that may be. Yeah. Thank you for your work, Feldy, and goodbye. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the way out. You throw so slowly. Coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are very thrilled to be joined by the mysterious... Eric Menzi, who we'll tell you more about on the next segment. But Eric's been helping us out with the show in a number of ways over the last few weeks, and he joins us this week for a very exciting segment that we call Best in the Game with Mike Bordick. That's coming up next. All right, morons, we now welcome into Hootenanny Studios for the first time the man they call the mysterious Mr. Menzi, the man <laughs> they call uh, the Menzanator. Do, do they? <laughs> Eric Menzi, ladies and gentlemen, you don't know this. Well, you do know it because we credited him as such. But in case you don't always <laughs> listen to the end of the show, I'm sure that's none of you. Because uh,
2: you, you're staying tuned for the uh the, the drop
1: in Yorudi upon at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, stay tuned for another of those this evening. <laughs> um anyway, Eric has uh helped us out with our website. He has helped us out with our social media presence, as he refers to it, the web internets with a Z. Mm, that's and, right and he also you don't understand
2: how those work so no
1: no i have no idea how this show gets into your ears every week
2: <laughs> i'm under the impression that the internet is a series of tubes that you dump things on
1: <laughs> i actually mail sam the show
0: by <laughs> a postal um and yeah. then he reads it he reads it back to make sure it's in line
1: yes also dump an excellent verb for uh the quality of our programming <laughs> and eric, eric also... welcome to the program <laughs> yeah maybe we should let <laughs> oh, eric nice. talk eric how you doing <laughs>
0: I'm great. Yeah, Hoot Nanny Studios, I mean, um, you know, Lush Accommodations, you know, Bouncer let me right through. The green room is one of the best in the business. Yeah, the green room. I'm (laughs) very happily surprised. I mean, you know, a lot of artifacts around the studio. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I think I saw, I think I saw actually um, Adam Jones. Out there when I was walking in. I mean, yes, you know. <laughs> I did
1: name my cat Adam Jones. <laughs> yeah, 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 so yeah.
0: <laughs> it's really
1: it's really not fair that I make him walk around in that miniature uniform, though. I, well, I'm probably I'm I probably he's getting used to it. <laughs> well, he's going to have to.
2: <laughs> so, Eric, tell us about your journey to uh, becoming a Baltimorean abroad in New York City, like us.
0: Well, that's an interesting story, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up in a gutter one day and I said So far same as us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a funny story. I actually um huge fan of Ripken. followed him all my life, mm-hmm. I guess, you know. Good choice. He used to play in field. Not a huge fan of Yankee fans. You know, growing also up in a good New Jersey. Yeah, so I mean I just sort of gravitate over to Cal was into the streak, into what he represents, you know, the Iron Man, and, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of excellent stories have happened in my life since then, you know, showed up at the game, hit a home run, I also had my first experience with hecklers, where, um, I was maybe 13 years old, and I was there with my mother and father, and I heard a guy yell, Oriole fans molest little children, oh my god, (laughs) and, um, stay classy, yeah, no, but yeah, it was actually awesome, um, you know, Paul O'Neill had a foul ball that fell in his seat right next to me, and then I heard a story of a woman who was sitting next to me that said she was in um, the uh, women's, um, you know, baseball league. I thought you were going to say correctional facility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a later story. We'll address that in future episodes. But <laughs> Orange yeah. is the new black, after all. <laughs> that's right. Excellent series. Um, Excellent
2: series. Yeah. I was uh, good color <laughs> scheme for. I like the color scheme. I was I walking with. home today. And the guy uh, who plays the sort of fat, weird brother of the main character walked by me and went into the Indian restaurant in Franklin.
1: Really? True story. Really? How's that restaurant? I'm looking for... It's not bad. Okay, nice. (laughs) Are Are you a Sog Paneer fan?
0: Sog Paneer? Yeah. Is that... He plays local third base d- for the uh, Yakult <laughs> Swallows.
1: Oh, I thought that was local fine dining. <laughs> Damn. It's actually a spinach-based dish, which you can buy at Bombay Masala. But we digress. <laughs> oh, Excellent. Yeah, so and the,
0: <laughs> So the baseball hit a seat right next to mine, and a lovely old woman, she must have been in her 70s, You know, she said, oh, you have this, and I said, oh, thanks. And she said, actually, a woman who was, who was supposed to sit here was in the women's baseball league from... Uh-huh. All wow. the way back then. So
2: oh said, wow! Thanks. From the uh, from the the game of their own days.
1: Yep, yep. She yeah. nice. was coached by Tom Hanks. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, I I one of my favorite things about the way that we know you, uh, is that we actually met in the comments section of Camden Chat, which is of course a very fine Orioles blog. Um, and I think it's it's just such a cool illustration of the way that independent baseball media can bring fans together in the modern era. Um, which is that just by virtue of talking back and forth in the comments section on that blog, we found out we both lived in New York now, and we ended up having this dumb podcast. Uh, <laughs> you, for some reason, decided to spend your valuable free time helping us out with audio <laughs> drops and web stuff, and, and now here we are. And the reason that we are here tonight in Hootenanny Studios is to debut a brand new segment. And this do, isn't do, just do, a segment. Yes. Yep, there we go. <laughs> this is a, a game... A game. That I think is going to sweep the nation. Except for the fact that we're going to play it so well that nobody will be able to compete with the
2: brilliance. Now, just out of curiosity, are you expecting this game to sweep the
1: nation or
2: Baltimore on's nation?
1: I would be happy if we get through it <laughs> in one piece. <laughs> Some nation. Maybe Zimbabwe, perhaps. Ooh, very
2: topical and interesting. Uh... <laughs>
1: That's true. <laughs> Coming it's up Zimbabwe. later in the show, more Zimbabwe jokes. Sweet. Well, actually, technically it already happened. Mm-mm. Oh didn't? Oh no, it's that's true. It's coming up later. Coming up later. Let's when you record play the show, the time warp again. <laughs> when you record the show out of order, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's it's hard to to figure out how time works. Um, so here's the game. The game is called Best in the Game with Mike Bordick. Ah. Now perhaps you're wondering why it bears Mike Bordick's name. Who uh, <laughs> was never at any point the best in the game. <laughs> close I was to best thinking, why not? Game. But. <laughs> So the reason the game is called Best in the Game with Mike Bordick is because if you are like us and watch an absurd number of games on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, you, as we have said before, are sometimes treated to the beautiful jazz drunkenness of Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer. (laughs) And you are sometimes treated to the mineral water blandness of Jim Hunter and Mike Bordick.
2: Which, all in all, we have to admit, is better than the orioles nationals games in which we have to sit through the nationals announcers
1: combined with the right. Orioles announcers some horrible schizophrenic <laughs> hodgepodge of mediocrity uh which is actually a great way of describing the orioles and the nationals this year but again we digress um so so mike bordick uh has a tendency of referring to players who are not the best in the game by any <laughs> definition of those words as the best in the game for example, he recently described Chris Tillman, who has given up one home run per start this year, and ace. <laughs> he described him as not only an ace, but one of the best right-handed pitchers in the game. He actually threw the word
2: "undoubtedly" in there just to make sure that there's no uh,
1: <laughs> there's no doubt there. <laughs> there's no doubt.
2: He's he has zero, uh, zero personal doubt, which I appreciate. He's he's yes. he's. Crystal clear in his pronouncements. An
1: Ayn Randian certainty, one might say. That's a A little harsh. (laughs) harsh. Powerful. Uh, He also recently referred to Danny Valencia, who has a, I believe, five game hitting streak against left handed pitchers, (laughs) as one of the best designated hitters in the game. Now, based on these standards, I think we can infer certain things about his preferences in the rest of his life, <laughs> which is why tonight we are going to try to guess what food, music, and movies Mike Bordick thinks are the best in the game. <laughs> nice Mike Court got execution. in the way of the bell.
2: There it is. There we go. Resonance and
1: everything. So we're each going to go around. We've each uh, we've each pre-selected uh, what we think. Uh, would be Mike Bordick's entries in these categories. Eric, let's start with you, and let's start with the food category. What food does Mike Bordick think is the best in the game? Now, as you make your selection, remember that he thinks Danny Valencia (laughs) is the best designated hitter in the game.
0: All right, I would have to go with um, supermarket bagels. (laughs) (laughs) Because while the bagel alone is a joyous and wonderful thing, the supermarket ones are usually stale, old, maybe three weeks old. I don't know. But, you if know. you're lucky. You get psyched, you have your bagel, and it's like... It's not right. It doesn't it's just live not up right to there. the ideal of the bagel no. that you have in
2: your head.
1: <laughs> yeah. So in the words of Mike Bordick, the supermarket bagel, the best in the game.
2: Now, see, I have the exact same... Uh, a very similar entry, actually. I was going to go with Domino's Pizza. <laughs> uh, which you'd expect when you, when you get excited about ordering a pizza, you have a certain image in your mind. You know, it has the... The, the, the cheesy, melty goodness. It's still hot when it arrives. It leaves you feeling not necessarily great about yourself, but filled and and happy. And none of those things happen with Domino's Pizza. In fact you lose ground and the nutritional value sort of like makes you immediately feel ill as soon as you bite into it.
1: It's true. It's kind Side of note. like when you look at Danny Valencia's slash line when he comes up to <laughs> bat against a right handed pitcher and then he strikes out.
0: Sign out. Historic fact, I used to work for them. Mm. Work, used to work for Domino's Pizza? I used Pizza? to deliver, yeah. I wow. am so sorry. Funny side note. Okay, so this <laughs> is a good story. This is almost hopping into spastic sort of territory. I never go, expected to mention this year, but... Okay, so first and second week I'm working there, zipping around, you know, it's fun, hey, rolling around the city, and I used to, you know, deliver in a affluent neighborhood of which I was not from. So <laughs> I would be rolling up into these mansions, and, um... You know, they'd hook me up with like 35 cents for a tip oh, or God. whatever, 50 yeah. cents. And I'm just like, come on, man. <laughs> so anyways, I had some angst from that. And they used to actually print out the label of the address and I would stick it on my steering wheel and I would ride. So for the first and second week, I saved the addresses of those who, of- who were offenders oh. <laughs> who would give me oh. under a dollar. So I had about six of them, and then um, I no longer harbor is really just not acceptable. And it was only if they were like we're speaking like multi million dollar houses or whatever. So, anyways, (laughs) I swung over to Barnes and Noble with my angst, which which I'm still working on. And uh, takes time. I just started started to take those like inserts for magazines, like Uh you know whatever Playboy, this that, Uh you know, I don't know Jet magazine, all sorts (laughs) of stuff. And then I just Dog brought fancy. them home. Exactly, I had like forty of them. I went home, I had my six addresses, and I just started filling out those subscriptions <laughs> one after the next. And I just dropped them in that mailbox, and I was like, <laughs> revenge! Hey, all the
1: money they were saving on pizza, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that you you probably in at least one of those cases accidentally guessed their interest level perfectly. <laughs>
0: And they probably just figured their butler ordered it or something. Exactly. Right now they're thinking, "You're welcome." So, anyways, <laughs> I fueled over over time, and um, most likely, I'm I'm sure I'm you know working for them somehow <laughs> with their like IRA account or something.
1: <laughs> so. uh, for those of you who don't know Eric by reputation, he works in finance. <laughs> yes, on the software side, though I'm not evil. <laughs> don't I worry, promise. we wouldn't have had you on the program if you were evil. <laughs> All right. Uh, my entry for Mike Bordick's best-in-the-game food selection is Jack-in-the-Box 99-cent tacos. <laughs> uh, because, under the, like Danny Valencia, under the right circumstances, they work perfectly. <laughs> under any other circumstances, they are an absolute disaster. <laughs> like in
2: clear, actual daylight. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> All right. Our next category is music. Eric, what All do right. you have for music? Music. I have... Um... The Spin Doctors, anything?
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Ooh.
1: Anything by the Spin Doctors. Now, is anything, I am going to reveal a little Spin Doctor ignorance here. Uh oh. Is that a, a, a song or are you saying any song by the Spin Doctors?
0: <laughs> I'll say any song from the Spin Doctors. I also want to do Men Without Hats Safety Dance. <laughs> It's good for the first 30 seconds, but then right, you know, right. it just sort of times out on right, it. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't hold up. It doesn't hold up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great one to sample in the iTunes store, but then, right. then you want to move on with yeah. your day. Well, I went,
2: I went with, a, um, I went with a, uh, uh, an artist instead of an individual track. Oh, uh, okay. So I went with T.I., mm. who is currently, uh, if you look on paper, he's at the top of the charts right now. But unfortunately, he's at the top of the charts as a part of being the backup track on the misogynistic single by Robin Thicke. Is it Thicke or Thicky? I don't. I'm not. I'm not cool. Not mm. sure. The jury's still out on that one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
2: it, it is. It is the misogynistic and fairly uninteresting track which he has gotten so much uh, um...
1: blurred lines. Yeah, that's G-i... a misogynistic song.
0: <laughs> Was that
1: the one with oh, Miley it? Cyrus and
0: the? Uh... <laughs> Oh, is foam the, finger? And the twerking? Uh, oh, my God. Oh, oh, when so I much that, twerking. It was Yankees game. My God. I I saw that foam finger, and I'll never look at those the same way again. I saw I like a. Did you
2: know that yeah. he, that guy, the guy who invented the foam finger, came out and made a public statement about how upset he was that she, like, destroyed a, 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 a
1: sanctified cultural artifact? Oh, my God. I, I actually have not watched this video because I, I just couldn't live with myself <laughs> <laughs> knowing that at some point I had said to my, I had put into Google Miley Cyrus twerking. I just, I just, I just didn't feel like I could do it. And then I was like, well, I could just click on a link from Twitter that somebody else put up. I was like, but that's just participating in a corrupt, <laughs> corrupt system, so I'm not going to sure. do it.
2: Well, uh, I I don't um, have the 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 lyrics to Blurred Lines memorized, but I have heard the song a couple of times, and mm-hmm. not only is it um, uh, fairly misogynistic, it is actually extremely uninteresting so you have you have the sort of double wha- the double whammy and uh again much like i would say a chris tillman if you look at him uh just on paper he's clearly one he, you could see him as one of the best in the game right but then when you uh when when you look a little closer you see he's backing up somebody on a fairly uninteresting track
1: <laughs> and while we don't know if mike bordick is a misogynist probably not he is certainly uninteresting <laughs> <laughs> All right, I went with Maroon Five. Oh, (laughs) nice! (laughs) Uh, Because I felt like, um, uh, like a, like the sort of player that Mike Bordick is drawn to. Uh, They had huge potential and (laughs) have lived up to most of it, but in the end, are fairly mediocre. Yep, yep. Yep. All right, our our final category is movies. Movies, Eric, what do you got? Um encino man
2: <laughs>
1: first off can i just say good pull good pull good, good pull. pull regardless of category or, I... or game or podcast any encino man reference 10 points <laughs> Please, I have one more. Like, please, I just
0: <laughs> Young Guns Two. <laughs> just, oh wow! I is just that, had to go there. Emilia Westen. I've actually seen that movie, oh, and man. I wanted to say Men at Work, but you know what? I'll watch that whole damn thing. If I come in through like thirty minutes late, I'm oh. watching the rest of it. I haven't
2: actually seen Young Guns Two, but uh, I've heard. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> You've heard the lore, the legend.
2: Should I go out Should I go out and watch it? Is it, is it worth renting on a uh, on a Saturday night?
0: I'd look on Netflix, but I don't know if I would spend actual, you know, physical currency for this.
2: Speaking of uh, spending actual physical currency, Sam and I both spent actual physical currency to go see Superman Man of Steel. Uh, How was that? Unfortunate. It was atrociously
1: bad. It was real terrible. And I'm
2: thinking about... In thinking about sort of all of the different things that we critiqued it for, uh, I think all of it fairly, it seemed like a classic Mike Bordick kind of a film because it it, it seems to me that, that Man of Steel is, I mean, you know, opening day box office gross of 1. oh, hundred and twenty-eight million, You know, it won the weekend. Oh, my God. It did fairly well. Uh, it did okay with a certain subsection of critics. Didn't think it was the worst thing that's ever happened, but it it has just no staying power. And like Mike Bordick's definition of best in the game, we will all have forgotten about it within six months of it coming out. And then you know it'll be it'll be back in the minors. We won't be talking about anymore because it was just so boring.
0: I also assure you that uh, Valencia also has limited staying power. (laughs) Yeah, we can all hope.
1: Now that's on the field sexually. Only Mrs. Valencia knows. Is there a Mrs. Valencia? That's a question for Google. <laughs> That's a question for Google. Uh, perhaps at some future date on the show, we can raffle off a date with Danny Valencia, who now hates us. Right. Um, my entry is Paul Blart Mall Cop, <laughs> uh, because uh, like many baseball players who Mike Bordick would define as best in the game, it is overall very weak. But it does come up with the big laughs when it counts. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, if you think that we missed anything here, if you think that there were some critical entries that we didn't think of, you can, of course, share those with us by going to bemorons.com, clicking on Contact Us, and getting in touch with us via one of the usual mechanisms. Now, Eric, I believe... You were so excited about the game. I'm sorry. I had to be restrained by, you know, chains. Uh, Eric was so excited about the game that in addition to the categories we specified, he came up with a just general category. So uh, what do you got over there? I have um, MTV
0: VJ Dave Holmes. (laughs) It's you so perfectly. He's the guy who came in second place. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I also have John Stamos. <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it and i also have one show for you um real real world road roast challenge (laughs) yep yep (laughs) exactly Exactly. i was just i was just searching for the reality tv equivalent spot on and that's it i'm done i'm done
1: all right ladies and gentlemen BeMorons.com. click on contact us let us know what we missed To Baltimore, the home of the all-weather fan. This is Alan Smith, and this is Sam Dingman. And, ladies and gentlemen, as usual, we're out of time. <laughs> uh, seems to happen like clockwork. Yes, every week. Uh, just also a peek behind the curtain, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there isn't really a time. It, it's not like it's not like we're renting the space. This is my house. Um, but uh, but we're out of time in the sense that we're getting the the vibe. In advance that you're getting a little (laughs) tired, a
2: little tired of us talking of all this. Sure, sure.
1: So we're going to wrap it up, uh, but before we do that, uh, we received a very interesting Twitter communique, and I want to point out that you
2: too could be communicating with us via Twitter simply by tapping the at symbol and then be morons into your address uh, Twitter box. Yes, of your preferred twittering. (laughs) Device, <laughs> your Twitter machine, your Twitter machine. Um, <clears throat> we got a, a a wonderful tweet today from at Julia. I'm gonna mispronounce your last name, Julia. I'm sorry. Famularo, Famularo, Famularo. We'll go with Famularo. Uh, who who s- pointed out that we suggested on a previous program that the Red Sox are the Robert
1: Mugabe of baseball. <laughs> um, which I'd forgotten that we <laughs> said, and honestly, I was slightly appalled. <laughs> when julia reminded us (laughs) if so she
2: asks then who do the orioles represent in tonight's matchup which before
1: we before we bring you alan's response to this that is an amazing question that's a
2: very good question
1: a very important question so uh having done a little bit of
2: research Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm.
2: i've come up with the following answer uh i hope I hope in tonight's game, which Sam and I have studiously avoided the score of so far, so we don't know how it's going. Don't tell us. I hope in tonight's game we are the um, Mr. Tsvingari, Tsvingiari, Tsvingiari. Yeah, I couldn't tell you the Zimbabwe political scene. (laughs) Of course, he being the man who, in two thousand and eight, when Mugabe did one of his classic ballot-busting scenarios did claim um, some partial credit and was able to work out a power-sharing situation in Zimbabwe for a short period of time. Uh, in this metaphor, that would allow us maybe to, uh, if not take over the American League East, at least appear as the second wild card. <laughs> I fear, though, we are instead the Matabaland which is not a funny joke at all, oh, God. because it is the site of a terrible Mugabe massacre, which he conducted on his own people when they dared to vote against him.
1: Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask trenchant <laughs> geopolitical <laughs> questions of us... Please don't. <laughs> please think twice, because you're never going to do it as well as Julia did. <laughs> and also, it, it makes us a little sad. Uh, but who are we kidding? We love being sad. That's why we're Orioles fans. <laughs> so please Come get in touch. Be sad with, with us. <laughs> <laughs> At BMorons is the Twitter handle. You can, of course, go to bmorons.com, find all of our episodes, and also click on Contact Us to find other ways of getting in touch. Um, also, They're ladies all and gentlemen, legion. there are so many. Uh, if you have been enjoying our programming and would like to help us spread the word a little bit, please consider going over to the iTunes store. And leaving us a review, just search for Baltimoreans in the podcast section.
2: Um, and Sam, I-, I mentioned earlier in the show that we got a, a note from Intern Scotty. Yes. Um, intern Scotty has been very proud of us recently. We haven't been making any mistakes. We have been flawless. Uh, we've been totally on point. Except for last week when we did make a slight error. We did, which he wants to point out.
1: I am so um, sorry.
2: It's a it's a minor fact check sort of a thing. Okay, but as you know, we did have two different gentlemen by the by the name of Charlie appear on the show at some point. That's true. We did, and as a result, we called the episode Two Buck Chuck. No, we didn't call the episode. What did we call the episode? We
1: called it Double Chuck. But we should we have called, we it we called it Two it Buck double Chuck.
2: Chuck. We should have called it Two Buck Chuck. But even more importantly, <laughs> <laughs> it turns Scotty points out. That we should have called the
1: episode "Charles in Charge." Oh man! So you're telling me there are not there's not one but two better titles than what I came up with at three in the morning when I finished editing. Well, he,
2: you were under a, a fair amount of duress. That's at that no period excuse. Of
1: time. That's no excuse. No, I think
2: I think I think we just dropped the third straight game to the New York Yankees by uh, a ninth inning loss. Your mind wasn't in it. We understand.
1: I was literally drunk on two buck Chuck <laughs> while I was editing. Oh, my God. That's not, ladies and gentlemen, I don't drink while I edit the shows. I don't want to create that impression. And nobody should drink alcohol, especially if there's anyone under the age of 21 listening to this program. It's the devil's grape juice, and you should steer clear of it. But Charles Shaw is a very affordable way to have a great evening. The music on the show, ladies and gentlemen, is our theme song by Marshall York. The interstitial music is, of course, Birdland by Weather Report. Behind me now, it's Kicking My Heart Around by The Black Crows. Our very special thanks to Eric Menzi for joining us on the show tonight. Please uh, follow Eric on Twitter, at MarketShot. In addition to being very entertaining, sometimes he dispenses stock tips. (laughs) Which,
2: frankly, we could all use.
1: (laughs) But thank you very much to Eric for that, as well as all of his assistance uh, with the back-end action of the show um and uh, i think that's about it alan so sam yes sir
2: avi miller from baltimore sports report comment page wants to know what do you call henry urudia when he goes out to get the paper in the morning and his feet get wet on the grass
1: i do not know henry morning do oh man that is a good one